If you're a normal person with a life outside of an obsession with the movie industry, you would be forgiven for not even being aware that the Academy Awards are happening this Sunday. Wow. I think, right? Even I'm confused. People were posting about it last weekend, and I thought it had already happened. Well, the Oscars have been in steep viewing decline for the past 20 years, with just a few spikes in viewership here and there, but nothing compared to the success that it had only a generation or two ago. More recently, the slide in viewership has been far more pronounced, and I want to say shocking, but it's honestly not that shocking at all. I guess the word I would use would be dramatic, uh, because if you look at the viewership since around 2014, the Academy Awards have had significant drops year after year after year, going from losing nearly 10 million viewers just between 2014 and 2015, and losing about 10 million viewers once again by 2018. And they only started at 40 million, so that's that's half of their viewership in just a few years. And the next drop is even worse. Yeah, so last year was the worst Academy Awards ceremony of all. And sure, there's some blame to be placed on the, the pandemic for an overall reduction in the release of films. But it's still so significant that it might as well have dealt a final blow to the ceremony ever returning to its former glory. In 2020, 23.6 million people tuned in to the ceremony. One year later, in 2021, under 10 million. Less than half. And that's that 23.6 was half of what it was in 2014. Yeah, it turns out, uh, you, you know, back when people uh, could, re on a Sunday night, you turn on the TV and just, well, the Oscars is on. Yeah, there's no real... Uh, what else is there? Nothing really else to watch. People tend to watch events when that's what you're dealing with. Uh, when you have a situation like now where there's... More content for me to watch than I could ever hope to actually watch in one lifetime. And it's why the hell am I tuning into terrestrial network television to watch the fucking Oscars? True. And there's like a, a certainly a small percentage of uh, people tuning out because it was considered somewhat of like a cultural norm to go into the office the next day and have something to talk about. And the Oscars airing live was something that you could act like a normal person talking about the next day around the water cooler. Right. So that probably had some issues with it. But overall, it's just like, the, the if you look around, just look around at the reality we're living in, uh, it becomes less and less fun to watch a bunch of rich people receive awards from themselves. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, yeah. we're not sure that this year's event is going to fire uh, any better than last year. I would the, the trend line would suggest it's not good. It would not be doing so well. Uh, people just don't really seem to care about seeing other people accept awards while dressed in outfits that cost as much as a down payment on a house. And the gap between what's popular and what's award worthy has just continued to grow mm -hmm. to the point where it's basically two different worlds. Yeah. Um, that's not to say that there weren't great movies last year. It's just that the landscape of consumption is different and people seem to care less what a governing body of other people inside the industry seems to think about what is or isn't worth watching. And not to mention that the Oscars have run into multiple issues of their own internally. They're constantly trying to strike a balance between being some prestigious award show that is very serious and also a show that's entertaining for people to watch at home. Sometimes that has some pretty negative side effects. And it seems like they keep making the wrong mistakes no matter what they try to do. Like with this year's fan-voted Oscar prize. Are they still doing that? Uh, which has so far shown to be a poorly thought-out train wreck where the votes being cast aren't exactly being done in earnest. Or at least for the reasons the that a award film goes to Movie McMovie Face. <laughs> what is that? The award goes to 2017's Justice League by 
Zack Snyder. They tried to, but technically not a 2021 movie. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, then there's the hosts, which kind of set the stage for the type of show that you're going to get. Uh, the Oscars hasn't had a dedicated host since 2019 when Jimmy Kimmel hosted for the second year in a row. And when you have a host like Kimmel or Jon Stewart or Chris Rock or even the now controversial Ellen DeGeneres, uh, you at least knew that there was going to be something going on besides a boring announcement of nominations and winners. So this year is the first year that the Oscars will once again have a host. Three hosts, in fact. Mm -hmm. Count them. Wanda Sykes, Regina Hall, and Amy Schumer. Where's all the men? <laughs> How am I supposed to relate to this? Mm. Uh, but this lineup does not do a whole lot to excite us personally. At least there's actual hosts, though, who will move the ceremony along. Hopefully insert some funny skits or jokes or whatever, and at the very least, market the award show so that people watch. Yeah, that's the thing, is you're getting a, you're getting a host with an audience of their own that will, uh, in theory, bring that audience to the Oscars yeah. to see uh, what they can do with a big budget and a captive audience of rich and famous people. Because that's kind of where, like, when you see stuff like uh, Jimmy Kimmel hosting, it's kind of what was funny about it. Yeah. So, anyways. I mean, Amy Schumer has definitely made sure that people at least are aware that the show's happening, because... She has herself planted firmly in the news this week, thanks to an, just a big brain idea that she had, where uh, none other than Ukrainian President Vladimir Zelensky, who is uh, currently in Ukraine fighting a war against Russia, mm -hmm. uh, she thought it'd be a great idea to have him appear as a guest at this year's Oscars. Thank you, sir. Thank you for appearing. Obviously, though, he's a bit busy right now yeah. doing the thing we just mentioned, the thing that is the reason anyone knows who he is, being in charge of a country that is engaged in battle with Russia. But mm -hmm. sure, yeah, I don't know. Why not schedule a little visit to the Oscars? Now, to, to be fair, a lot of the reaction that we've seen online seems to indicate that people thought Zelensky would be chartering a flight out of a war zone and straight to sunny Los Angeles to walk the red carpet and rub elbows with the Hollywood elite. That and would be amazing. I, I would actually believe it at, at this point in time with everything else that's been going on. But no, that's not the case. That's not what was proposed. It would have been a, a video call with Zelensky, which is still it still probably would have felt completely out of place and trivial during a show where people are given trophies for their work in the entertainment industry, especially since Zelensky was so obviously snubbed by the Emmys and the Golden Globes for his work as president of Ukraine in the TV comedy series, Servant of the People. Oh, you think now just because I'm the leader of a country that is engaged in war with Russia that could go and become World War III. Oh, now you want to come crawling back to Zelensky and ask him to appear on your little award show? Yeah, fair weather friends. Yeah, funny how times change. Yeah. Uh, anyways, in all seriousness, uh, it appears as though Schumer wanted his pop-in to raise awareness about the realities that Ukrainian people are currently facing. But again, we're not exactly sure if the Academy Awards are the right venue for that or if anyone watching wouldn't already be aware of exactly what's happening. This is bigger than the Oscars, Amy Schumer. This is much bigger than the Oscars. Hi, guys. Great. Glad to be here. Uh, By the way, it's uh, 6 a.m. our time the here. The entire city of Mariupol is uh, just a pile of rocks right now. There's tens of thousands, maybe even hundreds of thousands of civilian deaths. Anyway, the, uh, the nominees are... <laughs> the nominees for Best War uh, Documentary are... Uh, yeah. Sean Penn for his... Ongoing coverage. I think he actually left, by the way, Sean Penn. Yeah, he left pretty quickly. He was only there for a day or two after the fighting started. Yeah, so uh, look, base level here, just an odd request. A strange marketing ploy to propose 
uh, some brief interview with a president who is at war in front of an audience of actors, directors, producers, and so on. Minutes before or after a comedy sketch or musical number. Or maybe right alongside the in memoriam section. Hey, while, while everyone's really bummed out right now. Fred Willard. Ten to fifteen thousand Russian soldiers. Yeah, let's. Uh, while everyone, the, while the mood has settled here, let's get a let's get President Zelensky on the phone. So yeah, honestly, at the very least, Schumer succeeded in getting some attention, some very much needed <laughs> attention on those Oscars. So mm-hmm. well done. Yeah, that, she did great. Yeah, this story has been making the rounds and topping numerous subreddits and Twitter feeds all week. It's just probably not the exact type of attention that she would hope for. But I thought people were going to carry me around as some sort of hero. Brilliant. Uh, Here's CNN with all the details on this. Amy Schumer isn't going to avoid current world events during her Oscar hosting duties. The Life and Beth star is even trying to find a way to have Ukrainian President Vladimir Zelensky virtually attend the ceremony amid Russia's invasion of his country. Quote, I actually pitched. I wanted to find a way to have Zelensky satellite in or make a tape or something just because there are so many eyes on the Oscars, Schumer said during an appearance on the Drew Barrymore show where she was promoting the 94th Academy Awards. You know, we got a lot of eyeballs, uh, Zelensky, so it actually might be in your favor to... Uh, this content would be great for engagement. Yes. It's like it's like pitching a, a B-level celebrity for a podcast. We have an audience that you really want to reach. They, you know, I know you think you're big with your war. They, sh- they should get him posted in SNL. Yeah, I think that would be even better. Vladimir Zelensky! <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, it's Saturday night! The air raid sirens go. But Schumer continued, I think it's a great opportunity to at least comment on a couple of things. I have some jokes that kind of highlight the sort of current condition. I mean, there are so many awful things happening that it seems hard to focus on which one. As usual, Schumer said she's not afraid to tackle hard subjects. Quote, I am not afraid to go there, but it's not me producing the Oscars, she said. I think there is definitely pressure in one way to be like, this is a vacation, let people forget, we just want to have this night, Schumer said. But it's like, well, we have so many eyes and ears on this show. Do you, though? Not Do really, you, though, yeah. Amy? I don't think she does. You think you're doing him a favor? By, uh... Nine million people uh, yeah. watching? Uh, yeah. And I, look, nine million, not a small number, but you gotta wonder how many of those are just TVs left on from the previous, yeah. uh, thing, the lead-in. Yeah. Like, I mean, yeah, was I watching Wheel of Fortune and then just, like, got up and... Occupied my time with something else. How many of those people are just dead and ha- their bodies haven't been discovered? There yet? could be corpses watching the Oscars. I agree. Yeah. Uh, either way, it looks like it's not happening. So Schumer and Sykes and Hall are going to have to find another way to fill time and entertain whatever is left of the Oscars audience. Um, so here's a question. I'm honestly curious. How many of you out there will be actually watching this year's ceremony as opposed to immediately afterwards or the next morning just being like, oh, who won? And uh, just for fun, what do you think should take home Best Picture? I, I looked at the nominees, and I've watched more than half of them. I don't think I've seen a single one. Uh, I think Coda is a good, like, as far as I what I would like to win versus, uh, versus what I think can win, probably Coda, Children of Deaf Adults. Uh, like, 99% of the movie's done in sign language. Uh, it's, it's kind of a standard coming of age, but then it, it, has, a real, it has real emotional weight to it. Um, yeah, I really liked it. I really liked it. All right. So, uh, and I watched a bunch of the other ones that are nominated, and I was like, these are okay. I think the only one I've seen is, like, Don't Look Up, which I'm like, it was fun. But I don't think that should win Best Picture. <laughs> yeah. Same with Nightmare Alley. Like, one so. of my, I really love Guillermo del Toro, but this was one of my least favorite. Oh. It was fine. It just wasn't 
as good as some of his other stuff that I really enjoyed. Okay. I haven't watched that one yet either. It's just sitting there in my TV, waiting yeah. for me to watch it. I'm like, ah, I'll get around Speaking to it. Speaking of in your TV now, if somehow you've missed uh, the newest Jackass, it's now out for streaming. Oh, it is. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. It's it's a rough watch. It's definitely if you're if you're someone <laughs> who is. still lives with their parents. Yeah, don't. It watch is it. a movie where they will walk in when there is a penis on on camera. Yeah, it's uh, I mean, it's good, but be careful. Tread lightly. Yeah. Oh, hello, son. Like the millennial dad walks in. Oh, are you watching the BME Pain Olympics? A favorite viral video of mine from the early 2000s. It's okay, son. No, I, dad. This I is love jackass. my gay son. <laughs> yeah. I love um, my gay son who watches movies full of penises. Yeah, that without okay. a doubt, if you watch this all the way through and you have a parent in your home, they are going to walk in when there is a penis on state on on screen. Statistically, it's going to happen. Mm -hmm. Anyway, we're also interested to hear your thoughts on the new Halo series that apparently is out. Yes, uh, it premiered on Paramount Plus. The reviews seem to be kind of all over the place, but ultimately. The, the takes seem to be lukewarm. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it sits at about a 60% on Rotten Tomatoes as of <laughs> when we wrote this episode. And the fresh reviews didn't exactly heap a whole lot of uh, praise onto it. They're just kind of saying that it was okay and that people will need to just let go of a bunch of what they love regarding the story from the, the books and the video games and whatnot. Uh, yeah, uh, so if you like action sci-fi, um, it is that. It's certainly a use of intellectual property. <laughs> Uh, the fan reviews have been a little more harsh, saying that the show kind of tosses away what makes the games fun and interesting. And there's also a big problem with the fact that Master Chef, sorry, Master Chief, takes off his helmet within just the first episode. Yeah. Wow. There's also a lot of comparisons to The Mandalorian going around, specifically, you know, when it relates to the helmet and how it comes off and just the plots in general. They, uh, the things I've seen are just like, that was there's, definitely... no, there's no buildup to Master Chief taking off his helmet, which should be a buildup yeah. for fans of this franchise and it's just like look at mandalorian like you can't even say that it's like oh the the actor needs to have his face on screen a percentage of the time because that is like a thing that goes around in hollywood mm -hmm. like with batman and uh ben affleck uh, i think pedro instance. pascal loved working on that show he just had to jump into a booth for yeah. like 20 minutes it's like all right i'm the star but Sweet. the build-up with the reveal of uh the helmet taking off scene in mandalorian like had a lot of weight to it and this one was just like Oh, hey, sorry, this helmet was uh, blocking my view. I'm sure the pitch deck for the Paramount Plus like streaming service included a lot of slides of the Mandalorian. It's like, we need our own Mandalorian. That, but in Halo. Yeah, mm -hmm. what IP do we have access to? Yeah. So, yeah, Paramount spent, apparently, just a lot of money. $10 million an episode. So, they want it to perform. Is it good enough to continue on, though? Or is it dead on arrival? Let us know in the comments below, because uh, you... The gamers, you're the ones that it needs to impress. Yeah, so if it doesn't work with you, it's probably a one and done. Yeah, this is one of those things that's like, oh, wait, that came out? Sort of like the Jon Stewart show. It's like, wait, this has been on, this has been airing for like six months? Yeah. What? Yeah. <laughs> How have I not heard a fucking uh, people? I actually this? follow it because it, they do a, a audio version of a, of a podcast. Oh. That you can get the audio version without the uh, Apple Plus. But I'm currently, I actually rebooted the Apple Plus to watch We Crashed. And look, I'm yeah. not a fan of Jared Leto, uh, but I think he... I hear it's very good, but I... I... All things aside, uh, you kind of forget that it's him playing this role. That He's pretty good at it. It's hard for me to look past the fact that normal-sized Jared Leto is playing a guy who is seven feet tall in real life. And the uh, the I've... freakish the freakish height is part of uh, Adam Newman's uh, mystique and charm. Yeah, um, 
They just got Still a little the, guy playing them. The, if you've seen any of the documentaries about WeWork, yeah. it is ju- it is straight up a high budget dramatization of exactly what you already know. Yeah, which is cool to see because it's like you think dramatization, you think cheaply done, bad actors, but like to give them credit, which I, I'm not a huge fan of Jared Leto, and I think like he's done a couple really good roles that he lost himself in that are very good, uh, and then he has a lot of real big stinkers. Yeah. Um, this one. It, you forget that it's him. Same with Anne Hathaway. She is fantastic in this. And it's an interesting story. And there's like now, uh, there's a whole subsection. It's an entire genre of failed tech startup shows based on failed tech startups. Uh, there's a Uber one. Yeah. There's... Um, Super Pumped with JGL, I think. There's Palinic. the one about the woman who uh, got arrested the Theranos. for it. Theranos. Uh, the Theranos show. It's fantastic. I had to turn it off because it. it is so cringe. It's brilliant. They, they they approached it from the perfect angle of like, this is extremely, everything about this is cringe. The, it the, was too cringe for me. Oh, I love it. And it, it starts off like the first half of the show is like. She nails the, the oh, portrayal she's, like, she's perfectly. Perfect. Amanda Seyfried, right? Yeah. yeah. And it's like, yeah, it starts off like extremely funny and then just gets extremely dark as it progresses. That's I'm loving it. Yeah, it's, it's great. Uh, <laughs> there was times where I was just like, just in the couch watching it like oh this is so uncomfortable yeah especially knowing the story and what's gonna happen whereas like we crashed is just like i don't know it's it's different because you're you kind of root against the stars in it and you're like can't wait for this bad thing to happen all right one more little bit of news about movies and shows and whatnot before we switch to other relevant topics if you were looking for even more footage from matt reeves's extremely long batman <laughs> movie starring robert pattinson and we've got good news for you because Warner Brothers just dropped a five-minute-long scene that was cut from the movie involving Batman interrogating someone. I don't know who they are. Some prisoner with a fucked-up face and green hair. Who's, it's the Joker. Uh, he says it's the Joker in the, uh, in the article. I don't know. <laughs> but it I, could be anyone. I saw the credits. It said Barry Kogan as prisoner. It could be any prisoner. Yeah, sure. Any prisoner in the Batman universe. Um, but yeah, no, he's, he's the Joker. We're past spoilers territory. Either you've seen it already or you don't care. And honestly, it, do, it's, it doesn't really matter. No, not at all. It's, it's a so, very small it's little so part of It's so insignificant the movie. to yeah. the movie that the main scene that they shot with the Joker, he didn't even, he decided to just not even include it yeah. in the movie. So, uh, yeah, it's not a huge moment. It's, really, it's just the Joker making a brief appearance in the movie. Uh, and apparently there was a lot more than what we saw. Yeah. Uh, and Batman has a whole extended conversation with, uh, the Joker at Arkham Asylum, where you get to see his look, hear his laugh, feel out the vibe that he has with this version of Batman. Because they're both young in this. It's, the Joker is young in his crime career. Batman's yeah. young in his crime fighting career. That, that Joker, just a very twisted character. The <laughs> He's fact, damaged. He's the damaged. The fact that he finds the thought of crime to be funny, it's chilling. <laughs> and you're laughing. And you're laughing about it. <laughs> Uh, it's honestly, it's a pretty good little scene. Uh, we get the we get the look. He is hideous. right? Yeah. They, I, mean, I think they went a little bit overboard with that shit. I like it. Ah, I don't it, know. It's different enough from the previous iterations of the character on screen, but it, it does lean more towards the look and feel of Heath Ledger's portrayal, but it shows promise for the next film. Still, uh, do we think it was necessary to include the Joker in this latest adaptation at all? No. No. We need an embargo on Joker content. Yeah, it was almost kind of a bummer when he popped up because the character's been prominent on movie screens for over 10 years How now. many Jokers have we had at this point? I've lost uh, count. There's Concurrently, there's three. Yeah. If you count even the most recent Suicide and Squad. And then there was, uh, I never watched it, but the Gotham TV show had, had like, its own, it had two or three of its own uh, Jokers because a big like 
plot point of the show is like, oh, which one of these characters is going to end up being the Joker? Yeah. They're all so Jokerish, but only one of them's the Joker. But look, I think other villains would be nice. I thought when it first panned over, I was like, oh, Two-Face, because it is so mangled. Um, but uh, if an actor can nail the role, uh, and it looks like he has based on this extended clip, uh, the next movie could be better off for it. Look, this first one was so good, I'm ready for whatever. We'll leave a link in the description below so you can watch the full scene that was cut because uh, we obviously can't show it here. And also there's a great article in Variety with director Matt Reeves where he talks more in depth about this Joker, how he was cast and how the look came to be and why they pulled back a little on how much he was being used. Um, so we'll leave a link to that below as well. It's it's interesting. Yeah. And I really enjoyed this movie, so I'm excited to see more. It was just like, <sighs> the Joker again, <sighs> fine. Anyway, let's move on from the film industry to the music industry real quick, because apparently Grimes misses Elon Musk. Not anymore. The former never really misses Elon Musk. Grimes is an elite hacker man, woman, who hacks, hackerman. hacks her enemies and attempts to ruin their lives and businesses with her hacking. Yes. Or at least she used to, allegedly, because <laughs> back in the mid-2000s and early 2010s, there was a very successful alternative music blog called Hipster Runoff, written by an anonymous person using a pen name. Yeah. Uh, it was irreverent, mocking, sometimes very mean-spirited. Uh, it, was, it was just sort of a blog that birthed a bunch of memes and genre names throughout its, its existence. It's, it, it's hard to really put into perspective, but the, people cared about this a lot. And it was a different time. It was, it, it was uh, you know, around the same time. Like It was very, not similar, but in the same vein of like when Perez Hilton and D-Listed were really big yes. for celebrity stuff. There was music blogs that were kind of like that too. Like taking the piss from musicians and kind of overexposing in a paparazzi sense. So it was yeah. that era of things. It's uh, pretty standard for the time where, you know. All the popular blogs were just kind of dunking on celebrities and public figures with little to no empathy towards them. It was, it was a, you know, peak paparazzi blog era type shit. Yeah, then one day, the blog mysteriously dis disappeared from the internet with no explanation as to why. And cut forward to this week, almost a decade after the original version of the blog went offline, and we finally have a clue as to what happened. Grimes apparently orchestrated a DDoS attack on the site and somehow wiped the site's archives because the blog posted a photo of her at a private party. We'll let Pitchfork take it from here. In 2012, the controversial indie blog Hipster Runoff briefly went offline due to an apparent hacking. At the time, the site's anonymous founder and operator, Carla's, told Motherboard, my hosting company and support team say that there are signs of foul play on the server, and some of the last actions before it crashed are very suspicious. He added, my server disk has crashed and remote backups were sabotaged. A decade later, Grimes is claiming responsibility for the takedown. As she explained in a recent video interview with Vanity Fair, her motivation was Hipster Runoff's posting of a photo of her kissing a friend at a party, accompanied by a demeaning story. Quote, I was just at a party with my friends, she told Vanity Fair. Someone took this photo and it got leaked to this website called Hipster Runoff. Uh, the Vanity Fair article continues with more quotes from Grimes. And then he, Carl's, like ran this story and this was like, I was trying to be like all integrity and you know, like start my career. And it was like, Grimes gone wild or something. And it was just this like super whack, like meme story. And it was like this meme that was going all over the internet. My friend who worked for, I will not say which video game, had access to, okay, well, I don't want to get him in trouble. But anyway, we were actually able to DDoS hips to run off and basically blackmail them. We were like, like, we're not going to let you run your, uh, put your site back up until you take the story down. And he did, in fact, take the story down. And it was like my coolest hacker moment. So yeah, that's the story of this photo. 
cool hacker moment. You blackmailed someone. You committed someone. a crime. <laughs> you broke, you literally committed a crime. Yeah, yeah. We we broke his website and then blackmailed him. But for it was like, a cool hacker moment. For like reasons that don't really seem all that justified. Yeah, I mean, it. look, uh, a lot of these were very mean-spirited, but... Uh, Going as far as like blackmailing the owner and and DDoSing their site, yeah, and then admitting to it is uh, it's a couple steps too. Kind of far. a scumbag move. Yeah. Anyways, so Pitchfork adds that a cybersecurity expert wrote that her admission might be uh, just another frivolous piece of pop music gossip, but theoretically has potential legal ramifications. Yeah, uh, it's definitely it's a little difficult to see where the moral lines are drawn here because if Grimes actually orchestrated a DDoS attack and a blackmail campaign. Yeah, that's that's certainly something that could get her in deep legal trouble, depending on the statutes and limitations. But many in the music industry saw the move as noble because they were sick of being mocked and ridiculed to a very aggressive audience. Uh, reacting to Grimes' admission, Best Coast Bethany Cosentino tweeted, To be honest, thank you for your service, Claire. She added, To be on the receiving end of hipster runoff hate was severely damaging to my mental health. I know you all thought it was funny, but to be honest, it sucked very much. As for the site itself, it looks like the Grimes hack was the beginning of the end for the blog. They never posted about Grimes again, save for one minor post, and it was sold off for a meager $21,000 back in 2015. Uh, also, in a weird tie-in to a story that we've previously covered, the person who now owns the defunct website is the same guy who co-created the completely digital pop star and Instagram influencer, Little Michaela. Yeah. I don't even remember that. She's a... Uh... Like, you know how they have VTubers or whatever? Yeah. She's that, but it's it's very high-def, Uncanny Valley Instagram influencer that also puts out music. Yeah, it seems vaguely familiar. We've covered a couple of them, but I think she was, like, the most successful. Yeah. Moral of the story, I guess, uh, don't fuck with Grimes. She is willing to break the law to go after you yeah. and then just joke about it years later in an interview with Vanity Fair, almost like she thinks crime is funny. Wow. <laughs> She's the real joker. <laughs> Why is she laughing? Something, yeah, we blackmailed him. <laughs> something very chilling. But a criminal who thinks crime is funny. I'm the Joker, baby. <laughs> oh, anyways, let's uh, let's move over to NFTs. Don't worry, they seem to be dying at an extremely rapid Good. pace, and we think that's great. Though they will probably keep popping up from time to time, considering the absolutely massive amounts of investment dollars that companies have brought in to develop these kinds of digital collectibles. They got all their money in, and they're like, "Wait, people don't like this anymore." Aw, oh, well, we've spent all the money. We've hired all the people. We would look like idiots if we pulled out now. Sunk cost. Uh, st still, it's, it's always nice to see some sort of justice in the space. And it looks like two men were just arrested for rug-pulling a community of NFT enthusiasts, aka speculative investors, who don't give a shit about actual art. Uh, we're not entirely sure if this is the first arrest based on an NFT rug pull, because so much has been happening in this space over the past year, but it's definitely not the last time that we'll see some legal consequences to these types of crypto scams. And here's the verge of more. U.S. government prosecutors have charged two men with fraud and money laundering over a cryptocurrency rug pull scheme. Ethan Nguyen and Andre Yakuna allegedly earned around $1.1 by selling non-fungible tokens, or NFTs, based on cartoon-like characters called Frosties. After selling the NFTs, they shut down the project and transferred its funds to a series of separate crypto wallets, leaving Frosties owners bereft of promised rewards. Oh, no. 
According to the criminal complaint, the Internal Revenue Service criminal investigation and Homeland Security investigations began investigating Frosties in January, shortly after receiving complaints about the scam. Frosties was a buzzy project whose 8,888 NFTs, priced at the Ethereum equivalent of roughly $130, sold out within an hour of the public launch. But as chronicled by protocol, the creators abandoned it almost immediately. Buyers earned only a few dollars when they tried to resell their NFTs, and they gave up any hope of seeing future promised rewards, including 3D versions of their avatars and a Frosty's video game. <laughs> they didn't come through on their promise? Oh my god. Uh, see, the other NFT rug pulls, they wait a little bit longer. Yeah. Like, oh, turns out building a video game is hard. Sorry, Man. everyone. <laughs> Uh, now, the two men behind Frosties have been arrested in Los Angeles, California. The complaint includes an apparent apology and confession from Nguyen uh, to the moderator of the Frosties community Discord server, quote, I know this is shocking, but this project is coming to an end. I never intended to keep the project going, and I don't have a plan for anything in the future, it reads. The message goes on to say that Nguyen uh, sent the moderator some Ethereum for your troubles <laughs> and recommends deleting their Discord account. Quote, I want you to know that I do care. I appreciate you even if you don't appreciate me, it concludes. Wow. Here's some wow. Ethereum for your troubles. My advice, disappear. This is some fuck off money. <laughs> As for how they were identified and arrested, uh, among other details, investigators matched Nguyen and Yakuna's Discord account data, including Nguyen's IP address with Yakuna's email address and phone number, with corresponding accounts on the Coinbase cryptocurrency exchange. Coinbase accounts were linked with a Citibank credit card and government ID that let law enforcement track the pair down. God, that's <laughs> this paper trail. Oh no! Yeah, I was told this was decentralized. I told the I was told the blockchain would obfuscate all of my crimes. Investigators also traced a series of transfers through which Nguyen and Lacuna allegedly tried to obscure where they were sending the Frosties funds, leading to the money laundering accusations. So again, this is probably just the tip of the iceberg when it comes to arrests from these prolific NFT rug pulls because the investigators are getting their info from pissed off investors and there are plenty of pissed off NFT investors out there. Yeah. So there's little doubt that there are more active investigations playing out right this second. Yeah. Uh, if this is just one, there are a lot of people who've been rug pulled that can... Oh, wait, I can just submit this information to they investigators? Should, they should put all these people in one cell block. <laughs> yeah. Call it Arkham Asylum. You guys rug-pulled investors and you're laughing? Anyways, before we go, one final little story that we kept seeing pop up on our feeds this week that, uh, look, it, it's not really an important story, but it's a fun one. Uh, it relates to the entertainment industry, so why not? Apparently, Ben Affleck is a snail whisperer. While filming for the Hulu movie Deep Water, Affleck apparently became very interested and very affectionate with the snails brought onto the set by a snail wrangler named Max Anton, who indicated that Affleck was, quote, exceptionally good with the creatures. In an interview with Entertainment Weekly, the snail wrangler added, Ben was fantastic to work with. He's a great listener, and you can tell that when he does his scenes, he will take instructions. He understands them, and usually can nail it the first time. He was exceptionally good with my animals. We didn't lose a single one. I feel like, I mean, the standard for, like, snails, most people are completely disgusted by them. Yeah. So it's just like, oh, hey, cool snail. Oh, my God. He's, he's letting him walk. We've got a lover of snails Yeah, here. or like not actually accidentally stepping on one like yeah. while they're out or sitting on it. Oh, that's the worst. Uh, so Even like, if you love snails, you do it. You're just like, oh, God, it's it is, everywhere. It is funny that like at the end he points out, we didn't lose a single one yeah. because that probably happens a lot. But with Ben Affleck around, he's like, the snails just gravitated towards him. Wow. We just pulled him off. The snail king. Yeah. 
uh, this, Mr. Snail continues, <laughs> I showed Ben how to handle the snails. I would put them directly on his hand. And then when the scene ended, I'd run up and take the snail off his hand with my left hand and put a rag in his hand with the right hand so he could get the slime off. Also, we haven't seen this movie, but yeah. uh, apparently the snails have sex in it. Where do you think snails come from? Uh, here's more. Anton even had to pray for certain snails to mate in scenes to add to the sexy vibe of the erotic thriller, especially since the snails wouldn't take direction from Fatal Attraction director Lynn. When the production asked, can you make them mate? I said, we'll see what happens. These animals, you can't train them. Before each scene, I'd step off for a minute and I'd pray about it. And I'd say, look, Lord, these are your animals. I just kind of gave it up to him. And they performed better than I could have possibly predicted. God is real. And he is... He works mysterious ways. <laughs> yeah. But when he works, he works. Lord, I don't ask much. Please make, make my snails fuck. It's probably the pheromones from Ben Affleck. They yeah. love him so much. Uh, so, I mean, yeah. They, yeah. It's a, I mean, sounds like this erotic thriller get, got the snails in the mood. Yeah. It's a... It's erotic thriller for animals of all species. And it wasn't a fatal attraction because the snails made it off the set safe and sound. I mean, it did It did end Ben Affleck's relationship with his co-star. Yeah, true. Ana de Armas. But yeah. I think it seems like he's pretty happy with where he ended up. It, it is weird still. I was I, Briefly, because it was on the uh, iHeartRadio Awards, and Jennifer Lopez was accepting the award. She was like, thank you so much, my lover Ben. And Ben's like, woo! And I was like, dude. What I, year is this? I know. It, like, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's it is weird. I'm happy for them, but yeah, it is no, he seems genuinely happy after yeah. like a decade of like two some decades. Of, some of the most I well after that, but like the last decade for Ben after his marriage and up until J Lo, uh, just the, some of the most iconic photos of a middle aged actor just going through it. Just like so many different scenes. Yeah, like Ben Affleck like smoking on the balcony, get taking his trying to hold all of his Duncan. Taking out the trash. Getting photographed with that hideous tattoo. Yeah, just looking like, yeah, stand, uh, standing at the beach. Uh. <laughs> so I'm, I'm happy he's happy. I'm happy that he's happy. And if it keeps <laughs> him, like, safe and controllable with his uh, very clear uh, substance abuse problems, I think that's awesome. Yes. I please. think it's awesome. I think the time out of the bat suit has done him a lot of good. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, anyways, before we go, I, I do want to apologize for uh, minimizing the side effects of female birth control. I am sorry. Uh, we did say mostly uh, mild side effects, but that's not true. To be honest, we're dudes. This is a show where we're very, very dude centric. Um, I just want to apologize. I know we do have female viewers who uh, yeah, you did reach out and wanted to correct us. And I want to say that I'm sorry. And that uh, I didn't uh, I didn't realize in a lot of cases how severe it was. I even asked my wife and she's like, yeah, you idiot. It sucks. There's mental and physical problems. So I, I give do me wanna, the pill. Eh, give me the man pill. I will take the man pill. I will take the man pill. So I just want—I did want to apologize and just say uh, sorry for for kind of skimming over that. Uh, I should have used quotation marks at the time. That would have kind of given it away that there are actual side effects to it, like with any medication. I mean, the COVID vaccine is mostly safe. Yeah. I'm not gonna get all angry because a couple people died of blood clots. <laughs> Anyways, sorry about that. Um, but in the meantime, uh, we will be. If you want to uh, lob your complaint to me in person. Uh, yeah. in Austin next uh, next Friday. Here's week. your chance to yell at us <laughs> yeah. in person so, for a very nominal fee. We'll be in Austin, Texas next week performing with Rooster Teeth. Uh, you can get tickets at the links below in the description. Um, please come out and see us. It, we, it would be great to see you guys in person. Uh, and in the meantime, watch our two most recent videos. We have a video here where we talk about how, uh, oops, AI just invented more chemical weapons and a full breakdown of the, the epic saga of jumping a Tesla on a city street. 
Check those out, subscribe, leave a like and a comment, and we'll see you soon. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.